And we are back in the No Property Podcast. Finally, we're seeing some sunshine in the beautiful Sydney sky. Uh, mate, today we're talking all things budget 2022 and, and what that means for the real estate market in Australia for 2022 and beyond. Um, a lot of the stuff had already been announced leading up to the announcement uh, earlier this week in the in the budget, but it'd be good to cover it off. I think talk through you know our perceptions of what impact is going to have on the marketplace, um, and maybe clarify some stuff for some people because there was mm. a lot that uh, that come through in the budget. Now, I think one of the uh, one of the main uh, I guess factors that um, it looks like they were trying to overcome in the budget is to beat the housing shortage that mm. is in Australia right now. Um, you know, naturally one of the biggest reasons that we're seeing extreme price growth and a huge rental crisis all across Australia is because we don't have enough supply of housing. Um, so one of the really big announcements that was made in the budget was the housing accord. And essentially what the uh, Australian government has committed to is delivering a million houses to the Australian real estate market starting from 2024, which uh, over the last five years, there's actually been almost a million houses um, constructed, but the Australian government has, has committed to delivering a million more houses, um, which again, you'd think is going to maybe ease some of those supplying supply issues and, and the rental shortages we have in Australia at the moment. Mm. And it's funny because the hard part about the whole process is that the areas which there is a lot of shortage are the areas that you can't really add supply to. For example, we're in the eastern suburbs. There's, there's no vacant land here for developers to really go and increase supply. So where the supply chains really are hurting is the, the inner cities and the areas where people want to live as opposed to the regional locations and further out west. Mm. Um, yeah, but unfortunately, that's where people have to live, right? Like yeah. that, That's the reality for for the majority of the population they can't afford to live in locations like this um and by the government committing to another million houses it's uh you know it's going to make a significant a significant uh, impact and one of the things that they did say when they were you know talking through the budget and releasing the budget is that they wanted to put these houses in as central of a location as possible so sure it may not be next to sydney harbour bridge or you know next to melbourne cbd mm. but it's going to be as close as they possibly can be um to our major cbds and you know uh, a million houses is going to have an impact but i still think is a very small drop in the ocean in comparison to the population growth we're likely mm. to see in australia um and i was actually reading something recently was over the last 24 to 48 hours around how many vacant rooms are actually in australia because you know, not a lot of baby boomers or, or people have houses that kids have moved out of now and they've got four or five bedroom homes where it's just, you know, mum and dad or mum or dad by themselves in this huge home, um, you know, which in reality could probably be better used by someone who can house many more people or, or can or will house many more people. Um, another thing that they're trying to, to overcome is the supply shortage of affordable housing and, and, and public housing. Um, you know, the numbers are pretty staggering and, and I actually wasn't aware of this, but there's 163,000 people on a waiting list at the moment for public housing. Um, mm. So, you know, you know government subsidized and there's 116,000 um, registered homeless, um, you know, that the census data shows. The reality is it's probably, you know, much higher than that. 
Um, so the you know Australian government has committed to thirty thousand more new affordable properties. That's combined of affordable and, and public housing on top of the already ten thousand that they've committed. Um, which again, if you look at the one hundred and sixty three thousand that are on waiting list of public housing and one hundred and sixteen thousand, you know it's a small drop in the ocean. But you know at least they're doing something to be able to you know, mm. ease the pressure, I, I'd say. Um, and what they've done to a lot of, a lot of these, uh, a lot of these uh, initiatives or, or, or drives is that they're not just using public capital or public money, but they're also trying to incorporate the institutional money as well. So, you know, getting superannu- superannuation funds on board um, to attract private capital and then also, you know, institutional investors like banks and, and huge head funds and all the rest of it, um, which is going to, you know, help with the, the funding side of things. So the government committed $350 million to deliver the the 40,000 total affordable dwellings um, and that's under the the Housing Australia Future Fund which is the, the fund where they're going to you know try and tackle the affordable housing debacle uh, but then also on top of that they'll be able to, to you know couple to couple together the uh, the private money which again is going to help and um, you know there's a huge amount of capital in in superannuation that needs to be put to good use um, which is uh, which is good for both housing and then also good for returns inside of your superannuation. Um, you know what's funny about the superannuation side of things? There's a lot of people that, uh, particularly that have more of a left-wing view that say have a negative approach to people owning properties as investments. You know, they say that investors are the doom and gloomers who are buying up property, causing unaffordability. They're causing, you know, the average buyer to miss out on being able to secure a home but the funny part about, you know, our super is a lot of that does go towards the, the economy and, and increasing values. So as much as you may not like the investment space, it does provide housing. And a lot of the times your super is actually going to going yeah, yeah. towards property. Exactly right. Exactly right. Um, but let's not get into a left wing, right wing <laughs> debacle inside of the podcast. Um, the Australian Housing Future Fund, which is the thing that I just mentioned, which is going to um, you know, help with the affordable housing. Um, the it's a ten billion dollar fund, which is going to build out a lot more than thirty thousand houses, or the forty thousand they've committed over the next five years. It's going to be a, a fund that builds out many more than that. Um, but that was a, a big topic in which the uh, the Australian government was talking through was you know the creation of that fund and how it's actually going to to help solve the affordable housing issue. Um, and look, that's not probably going to have a huge impact on the investment market, but you know, it's, it's, it's a thing that is a good cause, um, and it's going to stimulate construction and stimulate the economy in a way, you know, to get builders to, mm. to continue to build, um, something that's probably more in line with, uh, helping, you know, investors, for example, or first home buyers get into the marketplace is, uh, the Labor government's help to buy scheme, which was a huge, uh, you know, thing that they pushed leading up to the election. And uh, essentially what the help to buy scheme is, is it's a shared equity scheme. So, you know, if you've got, uh, if you're a first home buyer and you qualify for the the, the, the help to buy or the, the shared equity scheme, you need to be a single earning less than $90,000 or you need to be a couple with a combined income of less than $120,000. And essentially, you can go in with a very small deposit and not have to serve as 100% of the debt, 
because the Labor government will come in essentially as your joint venture partner. So under a new property, they'll take up to 40% equity in, in a new property to help that person get into the marketplace and only have to worry about the debt burden of 60%. Um, and if you're buying established property, the Labor government will take up to a 30% shareholding in that property, which again is going to help people. Mm. And, and as you can see, on 120,000 combined or 90,000 as a single, it's targeted at that lower income demographic. Um, to help them get into the marketplace. And I, I did a video on, on TikTok about this a little while ago and you know, I got like you know three quarters of a million views, uh, but a lot of people were just you know hammering the comments saying, well, the government's going to own everything and you'll never own anything. You know, they're going to have control and blah, blah, blah. Again, probably some of these left-wing people. Um, but the reality is the government's trying to help people get into, you know, into the property market. They're, they're trying to help the affordable housing, you know, sector. And they're also trying to help your, your average punter get into the marketplace and make it much, much more affordable. Mm. So um, I personally think it's a, it's a great scheme. You know, if you can so have, you need less money to get into the marketplace, and you don't have to worry about servicing 100% of the debt. Um, it, it's a very, very good thing in my eyes. And there's a big push, I guess, the difference between 40% and 30% to stimulate the new build approach as opposed to the established. So I think, um, you know, we'll see new builds start to really see an increase in value potentially um, off the back of this. Yeah, but you sound like you got a lot of enthusiasm today, which is which is <laughs> bit, bit, uh, bit under the weather today. <laughs> um, so essentially, like to give an example, and this is an example that realestate.com.au uh, used is if uh, a buyer purchased a $400,000 home and they had a 25% shared equity scheme. So essentially, the government took up to 25% ownership in that property. They don't need to make the repayments on $300,000 of that $400,000 property, right? Because $100,000 of that or 25% of the value of the property would be taken care of by the government. And essentially what, I mean, they'd have to cover all the ongoing costs. So the government doesn't take, pay 25% of the rates and 25% mm. of the water bills and all the rest of it. But essentially what happens then is, um, you know, when that first home buyer has the capacity to then buy out the government and take control of 100% of the asset and buy out the other 25%, they can do that, um, which you know I think is, an, is a no-brainer. I talk a lot about doing joint ventures when people are capped at servicing and um, you know taking advantage of someone else's of cash or capital to continue to buy property. The other big one is the home guarantee scheme, which is uh, which is targeted towards the regional first home buyers. And essentially, this is very similar to the uh, the first home loan deposit scheme, which the the Liberal government have in play, which was uh, the five percent deposit, no lenders, mortgage insurance, and no stamp duty. But this is aimed at the regional first well, properties, or you know, buying something in a regional regional hub. So there's ten thousand uh, positions for this per year. And essentially what that does is 5% deposit down, the government will guarantee the other 15%, which means you don't have to worry about paying lender's mortgage insurance um, and you only have to have a 5% deposit. So there is purchase price limits for that and I'm assuming there's going to be income uh, caps as well. But, you know, again, 5% deposit to get into a property, you're talking, you know, say a $700,000 asset, you need 35 grand and mm. that's it and the government will guarantee the other 15%. Um, no brainer and again extremely easy to get into the marketplace and if we're talking regional properties as well they're usually lower dollar value which means you're going to need even less money if you're buying a five hundred thousand dollar asset 25 grand which you know is not a lot of money if you've got a decent amount of time to save 
a deposit for that. Um, so a lot of these schemes we've seen, we're seeing, you know, the the the, the government bring in um, are recreations of, of of other schemes that have been in the past, or mm. refreshes of other schemes. Um, but just with those two schemes there, like helping first home buyers, we've essentially got the help to buy scheme, which I'm I'm, I'm pretty sure you can actually go in with a two percent deposit. Um, which is you know huge. So two percent deposit, the government will take up to forty percent equity in a in a established uh, a new property, thirty percent for an established property. So on a, on a say five hundred thousand dollar property, if you've got the government taking thirty percent, you've got them taking one hundred fifty grand. So you've got a three hundred and fifty thousand dollar liability essentially, um, and you need a two percent deposit on that, which is crazy. The and the other one being the the home guarantee scheme or the or the regional first home buyer scheme. Which is uh, which incredible, and that comes into effect uh, three months earlier than what it was meant to come into effect. So uh, I'm pretty sure that is coming into effect now or, or, or very soon uh, from here. And people can obviously Google this and, and read through it in in more detail. And then another one as well, which again is to curb this housing supply issue and the, the issue we we're talking about at the start around. There's a lot of vacant rooms sitting there. Um, and a lot of uh, downsizers that won't sell their property and downsize because mm. of uh, the impacts that has when you're trying to put money into superannuation. Um, the government has uh, brought down the age to qualify for the downsizer super scheme. So essentially what you can do as a, as a, as a retiree or as you're moving into retirement is you can put up to $300,000 per person into your superannuation um, from the proceeds of, of selling your home tax-free. So, you know, most people when they retire will move money from their owner-occupier property into their superannuation fund and they're moving it into a tax-free environment so then they're going to earn an, a passive income from that capital, which is going to sustain their lifestyle and obviously buy something a little bit smaller. My parents literally are doing this right now. Um, and that used to be a minimum eligibility age of 60 years old. So, you, you know, my parents literally just turned 60, so they couldn't you couldn't do that before then, which means, you know, downsizers would hold onto their homes mm. until they were 60 before they downsize and put that money into superannuation. Now they've brought that at down, age down to 55. And, and obviously the idea of this is to then free up some of that stock where you've got older people sitting on large properties or, you know, properties that could potentially be subdivided or whatever it is. Um, you know, this is going to incentivize them now to go, let's retire earlier. Let's get some money into, into superannuation. Do both people need to be 60 for that? Uh, they would have to be, yes, because it says the, uh, the, the well, now it's 55. So lowering the minimum eligibility age from 60 down to 55. Um, and you can make a once-off post-tax contribution from both parties. So $300,000 each, so 600 grand into your superannuation, which again is going to help with that uh, lack of supply. So on top of the million houses that have been committed to, to, to come to market from 2024 onwards, you know, we're helping first home buyers get into the marketplace easier with a lower lower barrier to entry. We're helping other buyers get into the marketplace with a, um, you know, help the, or the shared equity scheme where you can have a, you know, to service less debt, you need less money to get into it. Then we're freeing up some some supply by helping retirees get out of the market sooner and downsize into something or go and retire sooner, uh, which are all incredible incentives. And then the last one, which is going to help uh, people service their their debt at the moment, um, and the way they're going to be able to do that is obviously the interest rates are going up. 
Um, you know, inflation is is a real thing. So they've announced a cost of living relief uh, scheme, which essentially they've outlined seven and a half billion dollars to to this scheme, and it's going to help people with cheaper childcare. Um, you know, the 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 paid parental leave people get it's going to be you know expanded, cheaper medicines, um, and then as well they're trying to move more overseas workers into Australia, which is obviously going to improve wages, right? Um, because the more overseas workers that are here, you know, the less pressure we have on lifting wages to be able to keep staff because there's going to be more of an abundance of staff, which is a huge thing at the moment. Um, there's skills, sh- skills shortages all over Australia, uh, which is obviously making people have to pay huge salaries to be able to you know, get good staff. And all of that has an impact on people's cash flow positions, which then, you know, uh, I think impacts, uh, you know, people's ability to service debt and, you know, do things in the economy. So, all of this stuff is aimed at uh, stimulating our economy and, and and keeping things moving in the right direction, which is uh, which is incredible. Any thoughts on that? That last one, yeah, I think it's mate. The inflation side of things is a, is funny because the interest rates have been rising from the you know the, the Reserve Bank of Australia, mm. and they're implementing support mechanisms to you know help support the increase in interest rates. So. I think what we'll start to see next year is the ripple effect of both of those. The, you know, people now have been sitting on fixed interest rates, which will be coming off mm-hmm. next year. People now will hopefully be getting support to sustain that. Petrol prices haven't come down. They're still maintaining their levels. Mate, 2 bucks 40 I paid for diesel yesterday. It cost me $180 to fill up my car. Crazy, right? So I think these mechanisms now have been built in to help support the economy, not necessarily to stimulate property price growth but to help support people maintain a lifestyle and actually get into the property market maintain cost of living mm. as opposed to stimulate this to make prices grow 100 percent. and 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 just before we wrap up um something that's very interesting around you know just just to show how much of a rental shortage there is and why the government is committed to building these million properties um the australia's rental vacancy rate australia's rental vacancy rate not a one place is at a record low of 0.9%. So 99.1% of properties that are on the rental market are rented um, and we have a 0.9% vacancy rate. And advertised rents in capital cities around Australia are 10.2% higher over this 12 months and 9.7% higher in regional areas, which, you know, again, doesn't help with inflation, doesn't help with higher interest rates, which doesn't help with all the other things we go- we have going on. Um, but I guess what the, 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 the increase in rent has helped is obviously mm. people service debt with higher interest rates. Um, so, mate, I think that pretty much sums up the, uh, the podcast for this week. It was pretty much a, a summary of the, the, the budget and the impacts it's going to have on the property market. Um, just to, to, to wrap, we've got the uh, the shared equity scheme, we've got the home guarantee scheme, we've got the downsizer support, we've got the increase in housing supply uh, through the housing accord scheme, and we've obviously got the cost of living relief. Hmm. And now, now you know. know. <laughs>